0: Welcome, everyone, to the Explore Travelers Show. This is your host, John Gentry. And today, I wanted to go over uh, traveling through the southwest United States. I just finished up that trip myself, so I can give you some, you know, real-time, first-hand you know, hand opinions of what I experienced. And I started in... Um, a combination of Roswell and the Albuquerque area and then I went north to the north kind of a western corner of the United States and then up into southern Colorado spent some time there went in and out of Utah on several occasions looking at some of the ancient Pueblo sites and then I ended up in the Pacific Northwest so it's a pretty serious trip and uh, I think first, let's just start with the highways. Um, for the most part, once you got out of, um, let's see, I don't know, the first 50 miles north of Albuquerque, maybe just at, maybe 25 miles out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, the roads kind of evened out. There wasn't as many people on the roads. Although there is, I, I would say, there's a lot of RVers out there right now. Um, I think COVID uh, brought a lot of people out of their homes into RVs, and I think they're still traveling around. Now, I think some of them may have settled back down into areas like Florida and uh, maybe Texas, since they're been pretty friendly to RVers and people that are transit in nature, but. Um, for the most part they're definitely still on the roads now it's kind of weird because you go to some places like Bandelier national monument which has very great facilities for our viewers they're not full and i find that interesting yet you go up to you know chaco Cultural historical park, and it that place is packed, right? It's not a very big RV park, but it's still packed, right? Um, It's harder to get to, it's a much worse road. But the RVers are they're they're full. I mean, I got in there, I got a tent spot because I'm I'm, I use tents myself, and I was able to use a handicapped tent spot for the night, and so I had a place to stay, but uh, it it was challenging Uh, once you go north or there into southern Colorado, I think the biggest change that I noticed out of New Mexico was New Mexico was sort of pushing, I think, the mask mandates. Um, However, once you get out of Santa Fe, as far as I could tell, very few businesses or locals, they, they didn't abide by it at all. But there was people coming from down south And so they were used to wearing a mask, and so they would still wear one. But as you went north into southern Colorado, the mask pretty much disappeared, except for people who were working for, you know, some businesses that required it, right? Some food businesses, such as the coffee shop and stuff like that. But, you know, I was at, uh, like, a brewery to get some food, and, they weren't wearing anything. I was at the supermarket. They weren't wearing anything. I'm talking about the workers. So if as far as I can tell, there is no mandates at all in Colorado. But I'm sure there's something, but no one's following it. So you might as well say there's nothing. Uh, let's see. I didn't really see any major supply disruptions. Um, the cost of fuel did rise. Uh, from New Mexico into Colorado and then into Utah. But I think that has more to do with maybe the market conditions happened to be changed when I was on the road for those two weeks. So I think that's probably a bigger part of it. Um, I did see a lot of businesses that did not reopen. They just went out of business due to, the, I would say, the heavy-handed COVID restrictions. So that was a pretty big loss, um, especially since they were all small businesses. So I, I would say that is probably the biggest negative that I've seen on my trip so far was the loss of very small businesses that are kind of... They've historically been the bedrock of the U.S. economy. And so once you take those away, pretty much all you're left with is giant corporate America, right? And so you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. In other words, you can go to Home Depot and you can go to Walmart and that's it. Um, so we lost a lot of that. Hopefully um, others will be able to move into those assets, but as of yet, I haven't seen that happen. Uh, let's see, the road conditions as far as maintenance. Uh, you would think that. State governments would have invested this time, where there was no one on the roads, to get all their state road maintenance done. But no, nah, they're not that smart. They're just way too stupid for that. So that did not happen. Um, I'm seeing them beginning to, uh, you know, do that. You know, I think this year, um, or I saw a significant slowdown, but the amount of maintenance on the road infrastructure just it did not happen and of course states are going to complain that oh we lost state revenue blah 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 but they lost state revenue because they shut the economy down in such a way that you can't recover and everybody knew this was going to happen but nobody wanted to admit that it was going to happen right there's a balance between people's health, safety, and public safety, and we just didn't we didn't have that balance, and so now we're going to reap the reward of that that level of ignorance. Uh, moving forward, Southern Colorado was just absolutely beautiful. It was colorful; the fall colors are on all of the you know the hills and mountaintops, so that was kind of nice to see that. I was able to get over to Canyons of the Agents and another historical ancestral Pueblo. Uh, multiple sites, actually. And I just published a very large article that I'm still adding to. It's on the website at ExploreTraveler.com. So please make sure to check that out. Um, I got a lot of photos there. I'm going to be adding in some video as well. Um, but it's going to take me a while. Uh, because even though I'm no longer in the Southwest, I am still traveling. It's you know, so it's just kind of hit and miss. And sometimes I'm camping, sometimes I'm at a hotel. Um, if I get too tired, I just don't really do get a whole lot done. So just keep that in mind that that article is still ongoing. And there's there's an, also another article on Chaco Historical Cultural Park, and you can check that out. That's also in the ancestral Pueblo peoples. I actually ended up doing kind of a theme, so I originally I got the idea in Albuquerque because of the petroglyphs around Albuquerque, which are from the ancestral pueblos, and then I ended up doing a lot of writing about Bandelier National Monument, and then there was Chaco Historical you know, National Park, and then Mesa Verde, and then the Canyons of the Ancients, and then you know Hovenweep, so it was just one, you know, ancestral pueblo site after another. I pretty much have covered most of the big ones at this point, and some of the smaller sites. Uh, so if you want to see some really cool Indiana Jones type photos, you know, keep looking at explorertraveler.com because I have a lot there. It's amazing the kind of architecture that you can find in places where. You would not expect it, right? So as I was traveling around southern Colorado, you know, I found some ancestral Pueblo sites that were, well, to be honest, they were quite developed. I mean, they had a European sort of flair to them. Um, I saw towers. I saw a, a certain amount of military sophistication and fortifications. I saw basically a small, like, castle-type setup made out of mud bricks. So it it was very interesting. And I wonder how much of the Spanish-European influence had got into their architecture because of just kind of what I was seeing. Um, So I think that was very, very interesting. Once you got into kind of northern Colorado, the Pueblo sort of went away and kind of got into natural rock formations, canyons, and the such. And once you go from, you know, northern Colorado across the border into Utah, you got all these, you know, rock formations. And I got, I captured quite a few of those, and I'll have an article and some video of some trails within Utah of, you know, the canyon land So uh, there's, there's a lot more to come. I would say out of all the photos that I took, that sort of took my breath away, was even though I was not able to get super close to the cliff dwellings of Mesa Verde, the photos that I did get, you know, using the zoom lens, uh, they're, they're so good. They almost look fake. Actually, that they, they, you would think they were—it was a fake model. Like I went into a museum and I took a photo of a model, um, but I did it. I mean, it's actually real. So when you do see those photos, those are real photos. I really was there. Um, it's not a model. Um, people really did build that into the side of a cliff, and you know. <sighs> As with most of the sites that I've seen with Ancestral Pueblo, they were very much aware of danger, and the kind of danger that they were protecting themselves from was not what I would call environmental danger. It was people danger. So they have a very consistent pattern from New Mexico into Colorado and just barely into Utah of you know what I consider to be historical military fortifications and that is not something that is really talked about when it comes to you know the ancestral Pueblo people in the history books everybody kind of talks about them of these nice you know wandering peoples who just made you know. They, they lived along little water supplies. Oh, they were way much more than that. I mean, they were sophisticated. They had a trade system within North America that, as far as I can tell, no one has rivaled it. I know that they had connections into some of the, you know, the ancient civilizations down in Mexico. Uh, because you find things, you know, in the historical records... Um, you know, that has a connection to them, such as macaws and feathers and things like that, birds that don't come from the region, so it would have to come up from trade. We know that they had a trail system they called the Turquoise Trail, and this Turquoise tra- Trail provided, you know, some of the ancient peoples in Mexico, you know, different kinds of, um, you know, stone and rock and you know, jewelry and things like that that came from... New Mexico, and probably further up from Colorado. So, uh, there was clearly an exchange of technology. And the technology that I'm referring to is architectural building technology. And you'll see in some of those um, photos that I took that you got doorways, right? And, and people kind of take for granted the significance of a rock doorway. It's one thing to build something straight up with rocks or straight up with mud bricks, and then put a log over the top, and then put more mud on top of that and create a doorway. That's one way, right? But if you're just using rock, you know now you have to have a way of stacking the rocks, a certain functional way for that to happen. And that is a form of building technology. And they had this. Now, they didn't have, like, arches, um, you know, such as curved arches or arches such as, you know, pointed arches. I didn't see anything like that. But they did have, you know, very well-plumbed square arches. I mean, it's not arches, but square doorways, right, made out of stone. And so I, I consider that significant from a anthropological standpoint so sorry I kind of you can see I found it interesting so I'm rambling on about it and so I I, as I explored more and more of that region I've collected uh, as much information as I could I did get quite a bit of photos um, but keep in mind that I was living out in the bush for a very long time and so I got tired and I needed some rest and Eventually, I did end back up at a hotel, and I, I started to feel better after that. But uh, you know, it takes a time. It takes a toll on a person living out in the middle of nowhere, uh, without very many people. Uh, you just whatever food and whatever water you have is what you have with you. And so, it's not without its challenges hiking these remote trails and getting these photos. Um, as cool as it is, um, it can be a little bit, you know, daunting, right? So. As I went into Utah. I was thinking, okay, well, I, I don't know much about you know Utah in the days of, you know post COVID, so I wasn't sure what to expect. And honestly, I didn't really see much of a change from Colorado to Utah. So, if there was some sort of you need a mask to do this and do that, I didn't notice it. But I didn't go into very many restaurants, but the few I did go into. I never noticed anyone wearing a mask. I didn't, even, I didn't notice any of the workers wearing a mask very often. I think it wasn't until I got to a hotel in Provo that I did notice that the staff there at the Marriott were wearing a mask. That's the first time I had noticed, you know. So I think Marriott has a policy because I think they were wearing one also in um, uh, northern Colorado. So... So that, I think that's something that can kind of take into consideration. But they, they weren't forcing that upon me or anybody else. And so it was strictly considered optional from what I saw on the signs. Um, let's see. So from you know Utah, I started making a lot of headway through Utah after I went to Canyonlands and got some beautiful photos and some videos of the, the views there. Um and I ended up in Elko, Nevada. Um, Elko, Nevada, kind of the same thing, and the same feeling. Uh, um, the only way you would know that there even was COVID was there was an occasional business that mandated their workers wear a mask. And, again, it was at one of the Marriott chain hotels, and they were wearing a mask. Uh, but when I went to different uh, gas stations all along the, the highways... Uh, interstate and highways nobody was wearing it right so i don't think for the most part there was much of anything that had to do with covid restrictions when it comes to traveling at least with car travel so car travel is very much alive and well our viewers are out and about the park systems are quite busy um Sometimes, you know, just when you're just waiting to get into the park at the main gate, you might sit there for 15 minutes because people will, you know, you know buying the tickets to get in. Um, so I find that interesting that uh, uh, nationwide park travel, I don't know if it's up compared to last year. Probably compared to last year it is, but compared to 2019, I think that would be a very interesting comparison. And maybe I'll do some digging and see, but... It's um, alive and well. People were very friendly everywhere I went. Um, I didn't really have any issues. And, you know, there was people from all sides of the political spectrum. And and you could tell because, you know, people talk about different things. But everyone got along and everyone was polite. And it was really nice. It kind of uh, reminded me of the United States, you know, back in my younger days when we could have difference of opinions and still get along so that's kind of the way it was like and I hope it's like that when you go traveling as well. Uh, Up and coming I'm going to be getting some new material, uh, meaning video and photography from the Pacific Northwest so that is coming and you're going to see a transition from the high desert into more of a mountainous forest, probably some snow Um, you're going to get some coastal um, photography uh, from Karen and myself, of course you're always going to get Alaska photos because we've got a strong connection there, so we'll be getting some more of that we're probably going to get thinking about making some slideshows for the Juneau area soon And I'll get those posted on our YouTube channel, Facebook, and also ExploreTraveler.com. Probably in a Juneau article that I'm going to make. So there's a lot of things coming. So if you're looking to make a transition or you're looking to go traveling within the United States, whether it be Southwest United States, Texas, Utah, New Mexico, Colorado, um, Nevada, Oregon, etc., etc. You know, I've been posting a ton of material. give you an idea of what you can find Um, and and it gives you a good idea of what the environment looks like right so a lot of the hiking trails that that I go on these are non-groomed trails so what you see is what you get and you're seeing just everyday nature right so that's what it's going to look like when you move there so make sure that you're okay with that I guess is what I'm saying so, you can see what the high desert looks like in Oregon or in Albuquerque or in northern New Mexico or Colorado or Utah, etc. Right? So, if you want to travel and you want to travel up north and south in the, in the northwest, and sorry, the southwest, it, it's a great opportunity. Um, be aware of road conditions. Um, You know, you do get snow in some of these places, and some places you get less of it. You might want to be a little further south, you know, in the fall, winter, and, you know, what you decide to do in the spring and summer, I guess it's it's always up to you, but uh, just be aware of the road conditions and make sure you have good tires and a good uh, vehicle for performing for what you want to do. Um, Also, take a look at uh, whether it's Facebook or whether it's YouTube. You know, I've been making a lot of, like, camping food reviews. And no one's paying me, by the way, to review any of this stuff. So just keep that in mind. I just sort of decided to do it out of nowhere uh, because I went and looked for some myself. And honestly, they kind of just seemed fake, like maybe they were sponsored. So I was just, you know, for the most part, they're all fairly decent, right? So when people start saying, oh, this brand is terrible, or this brand's better, none of the brands that I have found so far are horrible. Some of them have specific meals that are better than others, okay? Um, recently, I, I, I did one on Nomad Nutrition, a small company out of British Columbia, Canada. And it's a vegetarian you know, meal, and it was like a curry rice dish, and man, it was great. I mean, it was like, I felt like I was eating in a restaurant great. So uh, it just sort of depends what you get and you got to look at you know each brand uh, I should say each meal with inside each brand individually because some are better than others, right? There's some mountain house meals that I find are pretty good. And then there's some that I think are just boring and bland. So you know keep that in mind. And I think, with that being said, I'm going to wrap things up for now. And I want everybody to keep traveling, keep exploring, keep your adventure moving forward, and don't let uh, what is happening um, stop you. You can enjoy yourself even in, you know, the world as it is today, right? So travel on, everyone. This is John Gentry, Explore Traveler Out.